Howdy partners. Today on our episode, we're going to be diving into co-selling. Now this is a very important topic. It is perhaps the closest to revenue. And so I'm personally excited to dive into this topic and learn more, especially because we have Alexi here who is going to tell us about more of the enterprise level co-selling. And uh, of course, our friend Tom is going to be the interviewer, but uh, thanks for joining us guys. How are you doing? Doing, doing pretty well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, Tom, I know that um, you're excited for this because co-selling, you've, you've done it in the past on the agency side and then, of course, on the, the tech side. So I'll let you take it from here. Let's dive into it. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be remiss in saying we we miss our buddy, Ben. He's actually in Denver right now. I'm, I'm within a football field away from him, theoretically speaking. Uh, unfortunately won't be able to meet up with them, but yeah, I'm excited to talk to Alexi today. Um, I, and from my perspective, I, I certainly get both sides of it when, when we talk about co-selling and what it is and, and, you know, I've sat on the agency side and I know we're not necessarily going to touch on, or I guess we'll differentiate that today. Uh, and then I've sat on the partner work. So I, I, I think it's, this is a fun episode for me and, and will you nailed it? This is the closest to revenue. So this is when partnership succeeds or fails as one. Um, but Alexi, tell, tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, where you work, um, you know, the story of how you and the org kind of started like in the partnership realm and, and then, you know, digging into the co-selling aspect there. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll, that's a, thanks so much for having me again on the show. Um, first I'll talk a little bit about how we started co-selling because I think that'll provide a yeah. good context. Then I'll talk a little bit about how I've gotten involved into it in my experience. So, um, I'm at a company called Vena, uh, where leading financial planning and analytics SaaS solution generally sold. We're very much geared towards the mid market. We do touch SMB and enterprise, but we're sold in, um, more of a kind of enterprise uh, partner strategy. We originally started co-selling uh, because there happens to be a lot of consultants that exist that work for like CPA firms or um, ERP firms, or generally sell and work with the Office of Accounting and Finance, who um, they're overall a good fit for uh, someone like us to co-sell and implement our solution. So we originally started more as a channel approach, more to see what could maybe come out of this. No one was really sure of partners. So the year was probably 2016, 2017. And we end up having an individual who'd been at the organization a while. It's kind of the idea of, all right, let's slap on a quota, see what you can make of, yeah. see what happens. But the really interesting thing about partnerships is for the past several years after that, it was more than over exceeding the expectations and the growth attainment in terms of ARR, driving revenue, um, you know, helping uh, influence revenue as well, basically beat uh, beat the rest of the business on almost every metric for quite a while. So our partner organization now has grown a lot. Um, and now we provide around I don't know, 20, 25% of the business uh, touches revenue uh, from partnerships. How I got involved in the space is I actually came from direct sales and I was an SDR. And at one point in my career, I was doing inbound sales. And at that point, uh, no one was really calling partnership opportunities. And I accidentally cold called one trying to sell them software. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys, I know, uh, I believe, Will, you've been in an SDR role before, Tom. I'm not sure about you. It's a grueling, hard job. Yeah. People don't really want to talk to you. You're ultimately trying to, you're not trying to sell them anything. You're not trying to sell them a product. You're trying to sell them a meeting, you're trying to sell them taking time with you and your organization to see if you can solve a problem that they have. Um, but really, people don't really want to talk to you. And people are trying to kind of buck you off the line. So it feels like so you're 
you're a little bit of like a rodeo rodeo person who's trying to stay on hold and trying to you know make it to the end and survive uh, while still booking a meeting. And anyways, the company was actually really nice. They actually listened to what I had to say. They asked thoughtful questions, which made me think about my software in a new way. And overall, the whole thing was great. They showed up to the meeting that we booked. Um, I got paid, everything went well. And overall, I just started building an expertise of partners because I realized no one was calling those leads and then yeah. uh, positioned so I could join partners when there's uh, an opening full-time and been at it for about uh, two and a half years full-time now in a variety of different roles uh, within the Bennett Partner ecosystem. Oh, that, that reminds me of uh, Will Linois, Josh Kirkham. I, I, when I was on the agency side, I think this dude figured it out where it's like, wait, you know, partners are submitting leads and most of the time they are way more qualified and way more ready to buy. Like I can just tap into this whole bucket of leads and it, it, it's amazing what sales organizations can do when they start to kind of realize that partnership programs can work. And I think you kind of described the pipe dream uh, up front was when, yeah, we'll give you a quota, you know, like, let's see if this works. And all of a sudden partnerships is now just on fire and driving value. And so for anyone listening who wants to start a partnership program, uh, that's, that's your sweet spot. That's your ticket. But let's, so let's talk about you're, you're now in the partnership side. You kind of realize like, okay, this is, this is untapped uh, kind of green space, green field. Clearly there's a lot of uh, alignment with what you're doing. How does this, how does this now unlock the co-selling that you guys are doing with your partnerships, you know, with, with like the vendors that you have, what does that mean for your organization? Uh, you know, like talk about maybe some of the challenges you guys face in terms of your co-selling uh, motion, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it's really interesting for us. So Venna, what I will add is we have more of an enterprise sales kind of motion. And what I mean by that is. Uh, it's financial planning and analytics. We don't sell plug and play software. Okay. Um, you know, it takes several weeks to implement. So does every one of our, um, I don't know if they're exact direct one-to-one -one competitors, but other softwares that people buy when they're also trying to solve uh, financial planning and analytics needs. You know, they, they take some time to sell. They're complicated sales where there's not usually one single person. It impacts many people in the organization. So many people are usually involved in that decision criteria. So it's not really, um, you know, a quick, cheap plug and play. Yeah. But a boom, but a bang, suddenly they have a software. Um, you right. know, it, it, it's not really that kind of style selling for us. Um, where does it exactly play is a lot of companies, when they have problems around the problems we solved in planning and analytics, they often won't exactly know the root of the problem. So oftentimes they will go to a consultant or a consulting firm, say we have this problem and you know we're looking for help. And that those firms, they tend to do many different things. And oftentimes the answer to the technology or the problem is technology, could be Venna, could be another right. um, different solution. But ultimately people go to our partners for uh, trusted advisory and also ultimately for uh, you know objective third party uh, consultation because you know a lot of the softwares if you're if you're a new software buyer you're a new buyer to this space specifically a lot of things can kind of start to sound the same it can start to sound redundant and then you get the old question of how do you actually differentiate yeah. between them or you know can someone help me translate and you know guide me in the right path so there's a bit of a natural um i'd say a natural bridge for us and what's interesting is we found that deals that we bring partners into over deals that have no partner impact all deals that are sourced from our direct sales or marketing or any channel except partners, deals we bring partners into close at about three times the rate of those that do not. 
Nice. So I think that's a testament to how effective partners can be specifically in our space and how uh, vital they can be to the co-selling motion. So yeah. that's a little bit about how our team works. So we very much have partners who act as trusted advisors and help guide our prospects through the prospect or uh, to or through the, I think, sales process to make sure that they're making the right business decisions for um, you know themselves and that they're going on the the right path, if you will, and doing the yeah. right thing for their business. Yeah, it, it you know it's funny you you talk about. The end customers of your partners, why they're going to these partners are because they, one, need trusted knowledge in the space, whether it's, you know, derivative of technology sales or building technology around your, your, your ecosystem, your go-to-market plans. A lot of these customers that aren't, aren't customers of any technology yet are going to find trust because they need help digitally and they need help to scale, whether it's like online, you know, front office, whatever it is. And I think that rings so true, regardless of your, you're selling enterprise software, you're selling, you know, via service agencies or tech providers. Ultimately, if you can find balance and trust or see a partner as, uh, you know, someone that can help you co-decide in this motion, it makes partner sales so sticky and just, you talked about it. It's not, it closes three times as fast. It, it probably closes like 10 times more effectively because you have someone that is unbiasedly driving opinions uh, mm-hmm. and, and value towards you scaling, regardless of the technology. I just wanted to state that, 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 that is a core principle that if you can uh, uh, entrust or build around your partner ecosystem. And that's actually one of the motions that I try and enable on is, is building confidence and being, you know, very tech agnostic, but driving around tech is so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned one thing and I think it's, it's, it resonates towards, I guess, the variety of, of what people consider co-selling, whether it's through partners or not, you talked about stakeholders. So you talked about the, there are multiple people that a deal touches and I just wanted to ask, like, is there any friction in that? Like you're going from, you know, point person A to person B back to partner, back to you, like talk about that process. Have you guys found any, uh, I guess, magic moments where you can kind of like build on that process or how does that really work for you guys? That's a really interesting question. Well, I think every company there's, there's of course hierarchies which exist inside businesses and you know different departments will have different priorities and hopefully that they all align in the same direction but sometimes they don't always align in the exact same direction and i think a real challenge of a sales rep can be to understand what exactly are those dynamics and who if you think about that who would be people who are going to benefit from your solution or who would people who potentially might detract because maybe it would take away part of their roles and responsibilities or maybe they would feel threatened in some certain way and trying to understand all those dynamics and who are yeah. the really important people. And that's not always necessarily the economic buyer, but the thing is the more familiarity that you have within an opportunity. And I think ultimately the um, not familiar with the opportunity per se, even the more you understand the dynamics of what are going on, the easier it is for you to, I think, do your job effectively and really, really serve that client and understand, you know, what challenges Uh, are present. Sometimes they're visible, sometimes invisible. And I think partners can be a really, really um, great way. They can't be like having an insider in that circle, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes sales reps, they can, of course, what they're going to try to do is sell their software. I think that's obvious. (laughs) Um, And of course, a lot of the time, the answer is going to be trying to, uh, you know, to push new software or to, you know, move that up. So I think having someone who's 
ultimately an advisor and can really, I think, provide that more consultative level of selling, especially for a complicated software where, um, you know, something like Venna, not, there's not that many accountants who become salespeople. Um, so, you know, there are few and far between. Yeah. So if we're able to basically bring that expertise in and ultimately, you know, um, I think bring peace uh, to people and uh, help people feel like they're being guided by a true expert, I think that's invaluable. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's really good. I, I, tell me, tell me a little bit about, have you, you know, Venice here, Venna is in 2022. It seems like you guys have a firm understanding of, of how your partners play a role, how these multiple stakeholders, like really just understanding the process and driving towards the common goal of closing business that, that is, you know, equally seen from both sides. Um, do you describe any challenges that you might've faced in the past where, you know, like I, for me, I'm thinking, thinking about the several varieties of co-selling or what that means in partner organizations, whether you're, you know, a, a larger tech company working with smaller service agencies that are clearly, um, you know, uh, building digital ecosystems, building content, building a digital presence versus maybe some more of this enterprise level software where it's not just a plug and play. Talk about some of the roadblocks that you see, uh, you know, like some of the process development that you and the team have had to go through to kind of like figure out where this process fits or like maybe the most efficient way to sell. just want to hear a little bit about that because it's, it's a lot different from my experience. It, I don't know, Will, you and I like, yeah, we could build custom approaches, but it was pretty easy to figure out how we could paint a picture for our partners to sell effectively. And my goal was to try and take as much pressure off the sales team internally and essentially turn our partners into an extension of that. I know that's not a one size fits all. So as we talk about large, complicated, complex software, I'd love to know, you know, if, are there consistent or common uh, roadblocks or, or challenges that you guys see and how do you overcome that? Yeah, that's a really great question. Two, two common challenges really come to mind. Um, maybe even three actually. And I think the first one is simply getting the trust and buy-in of your okay. sales team to work with partners. Um, yes. I think many reps, what they're used to especially before they, or if they work for a company without partners or they come from a company that um, you know, maybe didn't have partners, that they see it as an extra threat of, let's bring, if they're bringing in another person into the cycle to then work, then they have to you know listen to another person, work with them. They might just get in a different rhythm. And especially yeah. if they're a successful rep doing that, they might feel that there's not very much incentive to for them to work with partners. And I, you know, I understand that actually, that makes sense, you know. Totally. Why fix what isn't broken? Um, the interest, the way that I think we've gotten around that more at mass is by getting partners to work with reps, making sure they're very, very well aligned and finding, finding frankly, reps are willing to work with them. Um, oftentimes there's, if you have a team of 10, let's just say, for example, 10 sales reps, you'll have a couple of them who inherently are going to be more open to working with partners than people who won't. You might, you might have to find out those people. There's some people who are naturally a bit more collaborative and, um, will want to will want to also be a bit more open-minded and explore and see what out there is those people too if there's someone who's looking for new opportunities or looking how can they get a you know fresh approach on their pipeline for example those would be great reps to yeah for um but once you have those certain win rates and once you actually start having certain win metrics then you can start help you know basically driving the ball up the field promote those stories promote those win stories make sure other people know exactly how they happen and how the partner is uh important and then naturally you know, you hear about people start hearing about wins and sales reps really care about 
winning deals. <laughs> and if they hear about how deals are being won yeah. and how they can make more money, of course they're going to be interested. So I think that's been that's been effective for us. And I think that's kind of an ongoing uh, challenge. I think the other the other interesting parts I think somewhat have to. Uh, I think work with enablement to an extent. So even though you have a dedicated expert, uh, your partner, and then you have your sales reps, how do you get them to work together in the most cohesive fashion? And the way that I've found is by really understanding how partners work, how their business functions, how they yes. see their business, and also understanding how sales teams see their their pipeline and see how they see a sales process and then finding the overlap and then also kind of helping quarterback both sides so they know how to best work each other. And I think the thing is, is a lot of discussion up front of exactly what's the lay of the land, what's going to be the strategy. So everyone goes in with the plan and goes in accordingly. And this sounds really obvious, but sometimes it's more challenging than that because people can get onto a call and say, we have this opportunity. Okay, great. But then they'll forget to pass um, you know, key details, their process yeah. along. And then um, th there starts to be friction at that point in the process. So I think it's trying to make sure that reps and um, partners understand exactly how to best work with each other, kind of what roles are bringing to the table, et yeah. cetera, there. And they start to get more of a flow once, with a bit of practice. Um, and I think also the last bit too is simply just, um, I think just enabling your partners really, really well. And I think mm -hmm. making sure that they understand everything um, reps bring as well because they have a lot of other things they're worrying about most of our partners they aren't just exclusively focused on the category of software that we sell they also work with ERPs. they do other there's other kind of point solutions which people sell yeah. to finance and accounting not that we're not a point solution but there's just other solutions which would make sense for them to partner with where they have to worry about so how can you give them you know the best possible information not to fully educate because those won't work as partners but to really round out and give them the most important points and things that they need to understand to, I think ultimately help progress cycles and make them really, really good at their, um, yeah, you know, good at their jobs. You're, you're speaking, you're speaking my love language here because that, I mean, Will, that was, that was you and me, like that was our enablement role at, at Vidyard. And I think, I think you captured two, uh, actually three really key points that, that is not agnostic uh, to a specific software or process. One is and will we talked about this yesterday on the panel uh you have to be your own cheerleader and i think as a partner organization regardless of whether you're one person two people 10 people 28 people whatever however you are you know other 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 pieces of the company sales specifically are you know they're so fast-paced in their lanes that you've you've got to like break down the barriers to say like hey listen like i'm i'm trying to help you like here are 10 fresh qualified leads that could close tomorrow. Like I can make your job so easy by not needing to worry about hunting. And, and, and the, the, the challenge there to your point is that salesperson does not want one person, two people, three more people to kind of come in and be this, uh, you know, kind of like the evil twins on your shoulders, like telling you how to dictate the sales cycle. Like it, it, but once you kind of demystify what this means and what it is and what it isn't, salespeople are like, I got it. Like, let's make this happen. Let's close this deal fast. Cause you can do it. Um, so that's one really key point. And, and I think it is so important and imperative to be, to be working from day one with your sales team to kind of dictate and build the most efficient process, because everything you talked about is there are no, there are no big challenges that you're going to see, like pop up where it's like, Whoa, this is due to the product. This is due to the partner. It's always going to be simple things that can be derailed based on mindset. 
right? Like a salesperson thinks that someone's going to come in and, and you know, just like throw the deal because I'm not getting the information I want. And that's just a simple fix. Um, but I think you, I think you nailed that one. Um, the other side too is partners, partners being an extension of your team allows you to scale so much faster. And if you set that process or like make it very easy for the sales team, if there is that handoff to say like, Hey, here's what a typical deal looks like coming in. Here's the information that we get. How can I, what other information do you need that I can build into this, this form or this, this, uh, handoff that will make your job easier. Cause what I will tell you is if you can enable partners properly, all, well, I say this with a caveat, depending on the software, if you enable partners properly, all they're going to ask or all they can be asking a salesperson is like, Hey, give me an SO for this company and I'll get it signed right away. You're not reselling, but they are essentially selling your product without any necessary means means of a salesperson or, you know, trying to reduce that. Um, so you nailed that there. I just wrapping up here, conscious of time, talking about, you know, some of the, the challenges, the friction and where you guys are at. If there's one tactical takeaway that you have just from like a, maybe a partner lens or a sales lens, I think we've been touching on both of those today, but what's that one tactical takeaway you can give our listeners to say, listen, co-selling can be different, can, can take different shapes, different sizes, different colors, but here are like the one to two impactful things that regardless you should be paying attention to. Yeah, that's a great question. I, th- <laughs> It's funny with, I think the most important thing that you can do to help propel co-selling, and I think this is also the most important skill for partner professionals, is facilitation. Really facilitate everything. <laughs> understand what could a partner bring to sales process, down to the nitty gritties. Uh, understand, you know, why your sales team would want to work with them, what their you know, um, stand-ups and worries about, and et cetera there. But make sure you're really making it easy for your partners and salespeople to work together. Don't leave guest room. Ultimately, people people are inherently a little bit um, lazy, and they want to go the easiest possible way. And they won't necessarily want to sit there and think through and do all the detective work, which you've done, because that'll just seem like it's extra work to them, and they'll get frustrated and won't work. Take away that guesswork from them. Yeah. Facilitate, provide them an example of exactly how they can be tactical, how they can tactically work together and make sure that every side understands their, what's important to know about the other side, what their wants, goals, needs, et cetera, are, and really help facilitate that whole process. And I think you're going to have a heck of a lot better time because oftentimes people, even if they have questions, a lot of the times they won't ask questions because they don't yeah. want to look silly or they don't even realize that they will have a question because they haven't reached a stage yet where they've thought about it enough to have questions. So that would probably be the number one. And then once you have a success story, blow it up. Make sure it's yeah. famous. Make sure everyone hears about it. Make sure they hear about the good the good works of partners and the gospel of ecosystems. And uh, you'll be on a good road. That's music to our ears. Um, so just to kind of recap, uh, just make it simple, right? I, I think this this speaks to so many pieces of, of documenting, building processes, regardless whether you're just starting your partnership journey, you're in a mature state, doesn't matter make it easy. And that's why internal and interdepartmental processes are so important to building relationships and successful partnerships. So Alexi, we appreciate having you on. Um, this was fun. I, I would love to make you a recurring guest. I feel like we get to get a lot of juice out of that. And um, yeah, this was great. Will, any final thoughts? No, that was uh, a wealth of information. I didn't want to hop in because y'all were on a roll. So um, yeah, that was, that was fantastic. I'm excited for 
yeah, episode two when we dive even deeper. Alexa, you'll yeah. be back for sure. We'll get you. Of on course, there. I'll be back. I'm all. Yeah, you can hop on whenever you guys want. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be like our you're gonna be like our expert, you know, weatherman that we come in, you know, not making light of the current hurricane in Florida, but like we've got something big going on. I feel like you're just gonna come in and kind of sweep the the ecosystem across on its side. So this is this was awesome, Alexi. Appreciate your time, um, and we'll catch you guys later on for another episode. Of course. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers. Thank you.